Okay, so today we're going to complete session 91. And this was received uh, June 26, 1982. We're right in the middle of the discussion uh, of the Matrix of Mind, Card 1, also called The Magician, <clears throat> which is um, really the, where the whole series of 22 cards starts and in some ways the basis of soul evolution uh, at least in third dimension and these archetypes as we know are uh, in many ways a blueprint or a map <clears throat> a blueprint of the um, structure of the deep mind in 3d physical or at least in third density uh, and that blueprint for the deep structure by which uh, evolution occurs in third density is also a map uh, if we take it in a linear way from card 1 to 22, of <clears throat> the, the process of uh, becoming harvestable uh, or doing soul evolution to harvestability in third density, uh, where 22 is the choice or um, the reality that there's going to be a dimensional um, uh, ascens ascension by the soul, you know, by the evolved soul or entity in third density. Uh, today we're going to complete <clears throat> the discussion of Matrix of Mind, and uh, I also, if we have time, go to uh, some more in-depth um, passages about Matrix of Mind from other sessions in the Law of One category, Matrix of Mind. So let me start. We ended at last at uh, 32, 9132 last time. And we're going through Don's analysis of the meaning of the various symbols in the card. <clears throat> he may not have actually been working from the um, Egyptian tarot deck image of, um, uh, of Matrix of Mind that we're working with right now, uh, because he's some of what he um, asks about comments on has to do with um, imagery that's norm normally found in the Rider weight deck and some other decks that are, you know, post-Egyptian, uh, showing the magician with a wand or a coin or other um, paraphernalia. So let's get in <clears throat> uh, 91. So we went through the, the sword, and uh, Don talked about a cup, but there is no cup in the Egyptian deck picture, nor, there, nor is there a sword, nor is there a coin. Uh, we start at 9132 about the coin. Don says, I have listed the coin as work accomplished. I'm also in doubt about the existence of the coin in this diagram, would Ra comment? <clears throat> and again, and Ra says again, doubt not that which the coin is called to represent, for does not the magus, the magician, strive to achieve through the manifested world, yet release the coin from its stricture, meaning <clears throat> release um, from your sense of um, its importance, the image of coin, as well as sword and cup. Those images are not important, and yet what they are, what Ross says, called to represent uh, what they are representing, 
uh, <clears throat> are valid and, and important aspects of the work of the magician, which is the work or the activity of the conscious mind. So, uh, in the case of the sword, Raha talked about uh, doubt not the struggle. Uh, there's the struggle of the caged bird to fly <clears throat> in, in relation to the sword, but the sword is not um, an original uh, image. <clears throat> but that's the case with the astrologicals or the astro the images that are added by uh, later uh, designers of these cards, uh, the tarot cards, Major Arcana. The, <clears throat> the, this is, and this is the subtlety of um, symbolic analysis or understanding anything that's quite old. Um, <clears throat> the, what we're working from may not be authentic, like there being a coin or a cup or a sword. However, uh, one of the bases for its inclusion, for their inclusion, is um, a valid um, point of significance. So the sword and the cup and the coin were not originally added by Ra. However, what they, part of part, some part of what they signify um, was, um, is important. And so some portion of the basis for these later additions being added, their inclusion, these astrological images, some basis, some of the basis of their inclusion in the card is a valid, important significance, but another part is not. And so um, this takes a lot of discernment, and we have to figure out, and people get hung up on um, a wide range of meanings for, certainly in the Karot, um, images that are not original or were added later. Yet there is some portion of it that's important but one shouldn't make too much of it. Um, and so one should be careful with any kind of symbolic interpretation. Some part of um, the meanings we may consider may be important and another portion not important. And so uh, the coin <clears throat> representing matter, representing the material world, the, cur- the coin of the realm is the material currency uh, means by which materialization occurs. And so the magus, the magician, strives to achieve something through the manifested world. What the the magician does is uses mind and will to manifest physically uh, or affect physicality. So yes, physicality and manifestation in the material world is important but the coin is not an original image. And so the conscious mind very much does um, create its own reality, right? You make your own, you create your own reality. Um, If you want to change your life, change your mind. If you want to um, change the external, change the internal, because the external of a person's life is uh, a representation, a reflection of the inner, obviously. Um, sometimes perfect, perfectly. So, meaning a perfect mirror representation of conditions of our mind may sometimes be found in um, the externals around us. Uh, but it's not that simple because there are many, many 
uh, internal dynamics that feed any manifestation around us or in our life, not simply conscious choosing. So, okay, the conscious mind indeed um, manifests uh, and seeks to manifest. And the seeking of the conscious mind ends up materializing um, the so-called external life around us. 9133, Don says, and finally, the magician represents the conscious mind. Of course, that's where we've been coming from here. Is this correct? Ross said, we asked the student to consider the concept of the unfed conscious mind, the mind without any resource but consciousness. Do not confuse the unfed conscious mind with that mass of complexities which you as students experience as you have so many, many times dipped already into the process processes of potentiation, catalyst, experience, and transformation. And so the magician represents the unfed conscious mind. As I said this before, the conscious mind uh, uh, in isolation from um, its current state today, <laughs> which um, is much more complex uh, or fed uh, the conscious mind that we're aware of, our con own conscious mind, is um, well-fed or overfed and poorly fed, <laughs> well-fed and poorly fed and overfed by um, a long, long, long process uh, in the past, so-called past, of uh, self-potentiation. As many, many, many times dipped already into the processes of potentiation, meaning seeking, uh, seeking meaning seeking value and meaning and significance. And that's potentiation of the conscious mind or dipping into the unconscious. And that then um, includes experience with catalyst or contact with phenomenal arising, meaning uh, arising of uh, sensations in the body, feelings, uh, per perception, thought, beliefs, values, images, memory, uh, and the apparent outside world of others and situations, uh, many, many times a conscious mind has already met such catalyst, many, many times has already um, made response uh, and therefore uh, fashioned experience and therefore experienced some degree of, con of transformation, which is uh, card six, and s or position six. And so... Um, the card one magician is not simply the conscious mind, but the unfed conscious mind, which we probably have nearly no understanding of. <laughs> the closest is going to be some experience in samadhi, where there's calm abiding in meditation, concentration, um, quietude, equanimity, uh, some degree of stillness, uh, greatly lessened arising of thought and feeling in mind, in body, um, that is akin to the unfed mind, but the mind that's experiencing samadhi has been heavily fed um, by all of our activity in the past uh, associated with um, seeking and uh, forming beliefs. So our minds are really, uh, we don't really experience the unfed conscious mind anymore, nearly never. And so uh, this mass of complexities that we experience um, is the common conscious mind, the overfed, I'd say, conscious mind. And uh, 
mm, one teacher, a Zen teacher, said first thought, best thought, or um, uh, the original mind, uh, the beginner, right? Sunryo Suzuki Roshi, Soto Zen Japanese teacher, talked about beginner's mind, beginner's mind, beginner's Zen. Um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind was a very famous, famous, famous book. It was a good book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Beginner's Mind is akin to that unfed conscious mind, which is akin to the child's mind, a child, a young child's mind. And you can see it forming uh, from infancy to, you know, all, all the ages of childhood up, up to today, up to adulthood. So, um, but uh, don't forget that the spiritual path is a matter of uh, resolving complexities and returning to unity, which doesn't mean stupidity. Uh, and it is a form of simplicity, but it's the clarity that comes from resolution of uh, paradox and complexity. That's the law of one. All polarity is resolved and complexity is resolved. So... Um, <laughs> We, we uh, labor under a mass of complexities in our conscious mind today. And Ra will explain why, um, this under, why an understanding of the unfed conscious mind is important down the, down the page a bit. 91.34, Don says, Are these the, all, the, all of the components then of this first, first archetype? <laughs> and Ra basically pulls it back to him personally and says, These are all you, the student, sees. Thusly, the complement is complete for you, for now. Each student may see some other nuance. We, as we have said, did not offer these images with boundaries, but only as guidelines intending to aid the adept and to establish the architecture of the deep or archetypical portion of the deep mind. And so, um, <laughs> many people today mistake their ignorance for others' ignorance and think that others don't, that, that it is as I know it, and cannot realize that some others may know it a little bit better than they. Um, we have great limitations, and very there's a lot of arrogance in the uh, intellectual world of humanity today. Uh, the wise man knows he knows nearly nothing. The wise man knows he knows nearly nothing. That's what makes him a wise man, <laughs> seems to me. A wise man knows he knows nearly nothing, very, 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 very little. That seems right to me. And anybody who thinks they know a lot is, uh, you know, uh, cultivating foolishness and folly, it seems to me. I mean, I don't think I know a lot about anything, frankly, compared to what's potential. And so some people see other nuances. Um, a person who thinks that's all doesn't may not realize that that's all they see for now over time anyone can see more so the complement um, <clears throat> or the complete you know the, the the range of what Don is saying is all that he sees for now and he can see more if he keeps seeing uh, seeking to see and so the more you seek to see the more you'll see the more you seek to know the more you'll know and everyone's different and Ra uh, repeats here that they didn't um, set these images that f firmly, in a sense, with boundaries, they say, but just as guidelines. <clears throat> and, and that's really, what, that's really um, the heart of spiritual instruction, upadesha, spiritual teaching. Uh, 
and many people don't get that either anymore. They really have a commercialized, a distorted commercialization of spirituality. Like, I pay, and you do. And what you do is you transform me, because I paid you. But that is not the way the path goes. Uh, and and there's, there's all sorts of confused, there, I see this a lot, all sorts of very subtle, um, unrecognized, distorted beliefs about the learning transformation process. Uh, in the old days, uh, the basis is study, meditation, and practice. <laughs> and so deep study and prolonged practice or, or meditation is the way. And the teacher, um, the helper, simply offers guidelines or guidance or um, the best teaching they can, and the rest is up to you. And um, this, Ra is talking about offering guidelines intending to aid the adept and establish the architecture of the deep or archetypical portion of the deep mind. And so they're establishing the, the structure by these 22 cards or 21 uh, and everyone will see something different. What's important is that you find what you need. And what's important is that you know you need and to know what you need. If you don't know what you need, you probably won't get what you need. And if you know what you need, if you know what you don't know, and you know your questions, and you know your pain, then you have some clear sense of what you need. You need to know the way to get beyond the pain. You need to know the answers to the questions. You need to know the way of um, achieving what you're seeking. But if you don't know what you're seeking, uh, you'll probably not be finding. And the teacher can't tell you what you're seeking. <laughs> because it's not where you're at. You're where you are. Everyone's unique. So this is very deep stuff. A lot of people remain unhealed or unclear or unwell because they don't know exactly what they're what they want or need and they can't formulate the question or they can't um, identify their pain and um, so the ones that find are the ones that are carefully and persistently seeking and then you know seeking you will find but you got to seek in the right way in a way that truly leads to finding 9135 at last we finally get to this question Don asks, how is a knowledge of the facets of the archetypical mind used by the individual to accelerate his evolution? Meaning, what's the point here? What is the point of studying the archetypes? And um, it is the architecture, but why? Why should we learn? And Ra gives a nice, deep answer here. 9135, they say, we shall offer an example based upon this first, on first explored archetype, or concept complex, meaning the magician, the conscious mind of the adept may be full to bursting of the most abstruse and unmanageable of ideas, so that further ideation becomes impossible, and work in Blu-ray or indigo is blocked through overactivation. It is then that the adept would call upon the new mind, untouched and virgin, and dwell within the archetype of the new an unblemished mind, without bias, without polarity, full of the magic of the Logos. And this is a, a one example of um, calling to mind specific archetypes, uh, embodying 
in a kind of tantric, esoteric way, the quality of the deity. Very similar to Tibetan Buddhism, um, the esoteric Mahayana traditions in Japan and China, uh, called Shingon and Tian, Tendai in Japan, or Tiantai, and uh, I forgot the, Japanese, the Chinese of Shingon. Uh, the esoteric schools, they use mantras, they use magic. Many of the monks get into big trouble because their heart chakra activation is inadequate, their lower triad blockages are persistent. And so if you want to play with magic, um, have a good time. And uh, if you have lower triad blockages and heart chakra blockage as well, uh, you may well uh, do service to self or depolarize. But uh, these schools also uh, understand about embodying archetypes to some degree. And so the embodiment of specific archetypical characters or archetypical personalities is one way that um, an individual may use uh, the archetypical mind, their understanding, to accelerate evolution. Uh, it's certainly, <clears throat> it's, to some extent, it's done naturally whether somebody studies or not these, this system. And so Ra gives the example, um, one example which is about embodying uh, the magician or clothing oneself in this aspect of the deep mind, uh, which is, can be done with all the other cards or all the other 21 um, personalities as well, or qualities of mind, deep mind qualities as well. Uh, in this case, it's for an adept, because only the adept really can use these well. And uh, this is when one would usefully, when an adept would usefully embody the archetypical personality. In the case of an adept, uh, their mind full to bursting of the most abstruse and unmanageable idea of ideas, uh, generally, <laughs> if adepts are in that condition, there's a problem, frankly. But the, those are on the magical path, indeed, often become uh, mindful of bursting, mindful bursting with unmanageable quantity of ideas. This is not a Buddhist adept. So that further ideation is impossible and work in Blu-ray or Indigo's block through overactivation. Uh, well, I thought that the, the adept was already working in blue and indigo, fifth and sixth rays. Well, in this case, we're talking about a temporary blockage of blue and indigo, fifth, sixth chakras. Through overactivation, um, it's either overactivation of fifth and sixth chakras or overactivation of the mind complex as a whole, which seems more reasonable. Certainly, uh, there can be overactivation of fifth and sixth ray. How about that? There can be deficient. I mean, in general, where there's blockage, there's um, deficient um, activation, however, or underactivation. However, actually, um, more strictly speaking, uh, any type of over or underactivation of a chakra is associated with blockage. And so, blockage leads to overactivation too. Um, because it's like the chakra, um, it, it's like a, a river uh, junction that gets stuck with logs. Um, the water builds up at that um, log jam uh, position in the river, like a chakra blocked. 
and then you have overactivation. So heart chakra blockage um, can manifest as over and under activation, as well as alternating over and under activation, meaning uh, heart chakra blockage. Um, sometimes the person is totally uh, cold-hearted, insensitive, uncaring, or cruel, or mean, or uncaring, and other times they're weepy, and they're um, super emotional, and they have no, uh, they have very diminished reason, and logic, and analysis, and discernment. They're over-heartful, or they're under. And all of those, both of those are really associated with heart chakra blockage, likewise with every other chakra. So you can say that there's overactivation in fifth ray and sixth ray um, as a basis of uh, even an adept periodically. Um, not 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 my school's adept, but uh, a magician school, white magical school's adept. The Buddhist the Buddhist adept has finished um, a bursting mental process long long before this point. I'm not saying me, but I'm saying <laughs> those that beyond me, the true. Uh, Satdhamma, Buddhist um, Sotapanis and above they don't have bursting mind uh, unmanageable clogged uh, over mentation actually they, they, that's been cut long ago because they've been sitting in, in sati, in mindfulness and that's what happens eventually if you really know samadhi um, this kind of um, clogged mental um, fifth chakra, sixth chakra let's say Overactivation, uh, particularly fifth chakra, is the real problem. The fifth chakra active overactivation leads to this endless thinking, and um, the sixth chakra contribution is its spiritual nature. I mean, one can be um, heavily um, preoccupied with spiritual thinking. A lot of New Age people are like this, actually. Um, not simply white magical school adepts, but uh, spiritually minded people that Ra may call an adept, um, perhaps, uh, overthinking about spirituality um, and trying to construct enlightenment intellectually. Some people in the Advaita Vedanta Sangha, Sanghas associated with studying um, unity. Um, freedom from duality, non-dual awareness, non-dual consciousness, the non-dual students of non-duality teachers, uh, students of Tibetan Buddhists, <clears throat> sometimes happens. It's not, it's sometimes psychologically uh, over, uh, psychologically trained students in the Vipassana school, um, super intellectual students of the Tibetan Rinpoches, uh, uh, magical people, magically oriented people, new age people, <clears throat> students of uh, Advaita Vedanta, teachers of non-duality, try to construct awakening intellectually. They try to basically come to an intellectual understanding of, of the goal of freedom, non-duality, liberation, enlightenment, and then try to inhabit that mental construction. <laughs> That's not awakening. That's a mental construction of one's thought patterns associated with the imagining of what awakening or, or freedom or enlightenment is. And that's, again, you can say, related to overactivation of blue ray indigo. And in many ways, um, 
the mind is fed by blue, indigo, and green. It's fed by all seven rays, absolutely. Um, but when the lower triad is, is more or less clear, the lower three chakras are, the blockages are pretty much gone. There isn't deep self-conflict. There's a healthy or a balanced sense of self, or even a somewhat enlightened sense of self, meaning um, all is one, and um, self is a being of infinite worth, or the self and God is one, is one life for all, not narcissism, not grandiosity, um, neither self-denigration or self-blame, self-punishing, low self-esteem, none of that. And so one doesn't think one is big shit or no shit, <laughs> no shit. One doesn't uh, stay stuck in psychological block blockage and conflict. Uh, even uh, then, the lower triad has some input to mind, but particularly mind is fed by uh, fourth, fifth, sixth chakras. And so over full mind may well come by overactivation of uh, blue, green, or blue, indigo, five, six, um, over emotional, uh, over heartful based emotionality. There is emotionality that's fed by uh, blocked and overactivated heart chakra. That's a little different. Uh, but Ra is saying that, that when an adept finds one himself, herself in that condition, um, it may be useful to call upon this, uh, the true magician, which is the new mind or the unfed conscious mind, untouched and virgin. Um, this again is very similar to the mind, the, the state of equanimity in samadhi, the state of um, calm abiding, as Tibetan Buddhists call it. That is a, very much akin to the unfed conscious mind. It's a, it's an experience of a, a, a currently unfed, a, a real-time non-fed conscious mind, uh, awareness or consciousness, without um, without much thought production, and that's akin to the uh, true magician, new and unblemished mind, without bias, without polarity full of the magic of the logos and magic here means power and I'm gonna if we have time look at the uh, etymology of magus and in fact uh, let's do that now um, from my new friend Wiktionary there's a link the etymology of the word magician from the Latin magus and uh, comes from uh, earlier ancient Greek right Greek often feeds Latin language, from magos, magician, from uh, a word that actually is probably old Iranian, like uh, Persia, um, magos or magyan, magyos, um, they don't know where that came from, and if we look at the um, etymology of the old Iranian, close to the Proto-Indo-European, P-I-E, uh, the second link, uh, which hopefully you can get, of old Iranian origin, uh, presumably akin to Median, Median, Old Persian, the word was Mayu, or Avestan, like Avestia, Magu, Mogu, um, 
perhaps from the old PIE, Proto-Indo-European, meaning they don't know where that stuff is. A proto means sort of um, in, in developmental process. Indo means somewhere in the uh, Indian uh, continent or India, uh, Persia. European meaning what? Middle Eastern? Uh, there wasn't much European going on uh, 3,000 years ago. Uh, the word may have come from mug, to be able to help, to be able to, to be able to, to, to do, to capacity, to be able to, or to help, power or sorcerer, and cognate with Sanskrit maga, like make America great again, maga means gift. And so the magician, the or the conscious mind itself, is that which can make is the basis of ability, is that which is able, to be able to. The magos is the conscious mind's capacity to, to, to do, to help, uh, its power to help, and it, it's, its very nature of capacity and ability. It's it, the nature, the heart of ability is the conscious mind. And, so, and that is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from the Logos. Uh, so everything is a gift from God, and everything is God. Uh, everyone is God, uh, essentially, their total being, their source being, their source nature, total being. Uh, so the gift from God, from the Logos of the conscious mind, um, is the wish-fulfilling gem, right? Um, Mani Padma. Uh, the Mani Padma or Mani Padmahum, the Mani Padma, or um, wish-fulfilling gem, is conscious mind, it is the very capacity, uh, our, our beingness, very capacity to do, to think uh, that makes. It's the doing function. The body doesn't do, and the spirit doesn't quite do. The spirit is, and the body follows. The doer is um, the magician, the magus, is... Um, essential capacity, be the capacity of beingness. It's very subtle. <laughs> what is the conscious mind, right? So we go on. Thirty-one, ninety-one, thirty-six. Don says, "Then you are saying that if I am correct in understanding, and what he said was kind of not quite right." Ross said later, "If you are, then you are saying that if I am correct in understanding what you have just said, that the conscious mind may be filled with an almost infinite number of concepts." <laughs> but there is a set of basic concepts which are what I would call important simply because they are the foundations for the evolution of consciousness and will, you know, foundations for the evolution of consciousness and will, if carefully applied, accelerate the evolution of consciousness, whereas the vast array of concepts, ideas, experiences that we meet in our daily lives <clears throat> may have little or no bearing upon the evolution of consciousness, except in a very indirect way. In other words, what we are attempting to do here, by the study of the archetypes, is find the great motivators of evolution and utilize them to move through our evolutionary track. Is this correct? Ross said, not entirely. So Don really goes to town, um, meaning elaborates lengthily um, in what Ross saying. Um, and Ross says, not entirely. Don was really saying that based on his, you know, he was presenting his understanding that the conscious mind may have all sorts of ideas and concepts, but that there's a basic set of concepts which 
are important because they are the foundations for the evolution of consciousness. <laughs> and then, if carefully applied, they will accelerate evolution of consciousness. So the versus versus the profusion or mass or huge number of concepts, ideas, um, that may not be important for the evolution of consciousness. Ra didn't say that at all. Ra said that, <laughs> and um, we can examine Don's mind a bit, but uh, Ra was really saying that in the case of an adept who has probably what would be a temporary blockage of uh, blue and indigo associated with overactivation and overthinking and a clogged mind, then it would be useful to embody the personality of card one, the magician, which would mean um, clothing oneself, mind again, with this virginal, non-biased, non-polarized, original mind, right? First thought, best thought, original mind, um, beginner's mind, quiet mind, <laughs> quiet mind, basically, samadhi mind, clear, attend, calm abiding mind. <clears throat> That's all Ra was saying. Uh, not that there are core concepts you've got to use and think about and reflect all the time on. Ross said, not entirely. The archetypes are not the foundation for spiritual evolution, but rather are the tool, or I would say a tool, for grasping in an undistorted manner the nature of this evolution. So archetypes are not the foundation for spiritual evolution. So don't overvalue them. Uh, they are, I would say, a tool, not the tool. They are a tool for grasping in third density, uh, in an undistorted manner, the nature of third density evolution, not uh, all density evolution. However, I think that um, the blueprint where um, there's a potentiation of consciousness that meets catalyst, what's called catalyst in third density, um, in an increasingly refined or love, wisdom, spiritualized way, fashioning increasingly distilled love light experience, um, feeding uh, thereby the heart of mind or significator uh, by the significators of body and spirit as well, by meeting catalyst of body, of mind, of spirit, uh, life. Uh, with increasingly um, well-developed love-wisdom balance, that distillation of love-light feeding essentially the significator of mind, because the significators of spirit and body, to me, uh, because this is all talking about the mind. These are This is the spirit and body process in the mind. These are archetypes of the mind, not archetypes of the body. The archetypes of the body and the spirit are aspects of these archetypes of the mind. And so mind is the doer. Mind is the revealer. Um, and mind is the, um, the, act, act, actual, the, is the um, activity of beingness. Mind is the activity of being. Um, and... In higher dimensions, it's still the case. However, um, what here we can divide into seven uh, goes to a three and then to a one. And so um, the distinction between body and mind and spirit um, dissolves increasingly, becomes uh, an awareness that 
uh, true unfettered beingness is um, a kind of um, is a is a formal um, unified um, sentience. Formal meaning having a form, body, but it isn't necessarily it's not a physical body. So anyway, it goes on and on. But the archetypes are not the foundation for spiritual evolution. We can say that the mind body spirit complex or the seven dimensional system. Um, and um, this seven-dimensional sentient beingness of us, the self, are foundations of spiritual evolution. But we can say, I would say, a tool one may use um, for grasping or knowing um, in a very undistorted way, yeah, the manner of evolution in third density. <clears throat> Don goes on, 9137, so for an individual who wishes to consciously augment his own evolution, an ability to recognize and utilize the archetypes would be beneficial in sorting out that which he wished to seek and that which he found, <clears throat> and that which would be found then as not as efficient a seeking tool. Would this be a good statement? Meaning he's questioning for a person who wants to accelerate their own soul evolution, it would be helpful to recognize and utilize these archetypes um, to make use of this study and practice to sort out what they wish to seek and find from pretty much that which they um, find that's unimportant to, to distinct, you know, to dis distinguish or differentiate um, what is more important to seek and what is more helpful that is found you know, to basically apply uh, discerning values um, to the seeking process and to the utilization of what's found and analysis and understanding of what's found. Would this be a good statement? Ross said, this is a fairly adequate statement. The term efficient, Don was saying, um, uh, as not efficient a seeking tool, meaning what's efficient, not efficient, that uh, using... The archetypes helps us find what's efficient and differentiate what's not. Ross said the term efficient might also fruitfully be replaced by the term undistorted. The archetypical mind, when penetrated lucidly, is a blueprint of the builded structure of all energy expenditures and all seeking without distortion. This, as a resource within the deep mind, is of great potential aid to the adept. We would ask for one more query at this space-time, as this instrument is experiencing continuous surges of the distortion you call pain, and we wish to take our leave of the working while the instrument still possesses a sufficient amount of transferred energy to ease the transition to the waking state, if you would call it that. <laughs> our normal waking state is somewhat sleepy, uh, so, oh well. Okay, so um, the term efficient as used by Don in terms of what is determined to be more and less efficient as a seeking tool or uh, ways of seeking. Rod reframed it as undistorted and said that, you know, the value of understanding, the, the value of the archetypical, of the study of the archetypical mind, which is itself a blueprint uh, of the builded structure, meaning the logoically determined structure of deep mind, 
in 3D space-time. The, the archetype 22 cards and positions and their relations and all they are as the architecture or a blueprint of this logoic structure that's associated with energy expenditure and seeking without distortion, meaning it's a it's a non-distorted blueprint, a non-distorted uh, a portrayal of non-distorted architecture of the deep mind, and that's really good and very helpful to know how evolution occurs in third density, um, and one may call forth um, an archetypical personality when needed or not. It's not quite necessary, but it's one way to go. It's a useful tool for some adepts. Um, but uh, to use it well, one needs to be an adept, which really means one needs to be quite well, um, well resolved in psychological condition, well healed psychologically, um, not at conflict with oneself, and, and not stuck in a superiority complex of pride and arrogance, too. You know, I'm not hot shit. I'm just this. <laughs> I am me. You are you. And don't make a big deal out of yourself. Neither uh, I'm so terrible nor I'm so uh, wonderful. <laughs> People who are uh, chronically self-referential, me, 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 talking about themselves all the time, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, there's a difference between thinking about yourself and talking about yourself. Talking about yourself a lot generally means you want others to be thinking about you and focused on you as you're focused on you. This really does indicate um, moderate lower triad blockage to me. And it seems, I mean, the, the teachers that I've seen that are um, quite free um, don't talk about themselves at all. Why? Who cares? <laughs> they're well. They're, they're space. You know, they're, they're becoming transparent or they're transparent. Why should we talk about um, an internal referentiality, inter you know, again and again. There, there's nothing to talk about. When you're well, you know, uh, how do you say how you're doing? I don't know how I'm doing. I'm not thinking about how I'm doing. <laughs> Is that ignorance? Is that uh, spiritual bypass? It could be. It doesn't have to be, though. So, I mean, um, the, the study of the archetypes, or the embody particularly the practice of embodying archetypical personalities, is dangerous <clears throat> to the extent that a person has lower triad blockages unrecognized or deep distortions in mind, meaning um, psychological conflict, um, basically low self-esteem and um, uh, conceited self-esteem. Conceit and uh, low self-esteem. You know, pride, um, pride and um, self-denigration. Uh, self is seen as uh, self overvalued and undervalued self seen as um, super important and or unimportant mm, both problems and, and then of course one's relations with others get very sticky because of um, distorted notions of self or distorted valuation of self they go together that kind of person will get into trouble using the uh, practices of um, archetypical personality embodiment. So <clears throat> the point is that this is a resource that the study of the archetypical mind, the archetypical mind that's presented here is an undistorted, a, a quite undistorted um, representation of this 
deep mind structure. It's the structure of what? The structure of energy expenditures is so subtle. It, the, the, to move, the, the process by which, just in the case of the seven cards of mind, uh, which is the heart of the evolution of, of beings in third density, is evolution of mind. Ross said the purpose of incarnation is evolution of mind, body, spirit. But the evolution of mind, body, spirit is ultimately an evolution of mind because um, mind is the doing function of being. Human, a human being is a being doing. <clears throat> a human being is, a be, is being doing. Clearly. So being doing manifests as human being. What's doing is mind, manas, mind, vijnana, is the doing of being. And um, body, what we call body and spirit are simply aspects of um, the, the currently doing being not yet purified, <laughs> not yet self-emancipated. The total emancipation of mind reveals that body, mind, spirit is one, not three. The three is one. Of course, that's called the law of one. Not only self and other self, but uh, being the, the unified being that we currently experience in a triadic form of body, mind, spirit is essentially one. And so that's known by mind. So the Hindu said, mind is the revealer. Yeah, mind is the slayer of the real and the revealer. But it's... Um, the engine of evolution is, is manas, is vijnana, <clears throat> which um, is, is what, do, what being does in the octave. The, be, the doing of being is soul evolution in the octave. So, uh, <clears throat> this, this um, system of tarot, 22 cards, um, is a pure, beautiful, undistorted representation of this builded structure in the deep mind in 3D. 3D physical, which is a structure by which energy um, is is utilized, and so the movement from conscious mind to potentiated conscious mind to potentiated conscious mind meeting catalyst in increasingly refined spiritualized ways, making increasingly useful distilled love light experience, feeding significator. Um, that is achieves a transformation and then um, becomes the support for further transformation in the great way um, that whole process um, is is a sequence of seven node nodes um, in a continuum of energy processing which is energy expenditure the structure of energy expenditure is is the process by which energy um, basically transforms the seven-dimensional uh, doing being in 3D physical. <laughs> the human being, or the being that's doing, uh, with conscious, with mind, um, tr is transformed by, in accord with this structure of 21. And um, done efficiently, one arrives at 22, makes choice, or has, a, has demonstrated the choice, and goes to fourth density. And, and so this um, blueprint of the deep mind structure by which seeking leads to transformation via energy processing, energy expenditure, 
um, and, and energy um, reconfiguration. It's not just expenditure, because there's, there's expenditure in the potentiation of mind and the meeting of catalyst to fashion experience and the feeding of, of significator and the basis of transformation is all, yeah, energy expending or energy, um, it, it requires effort, seeking requires effort. But it's also um, reconfiguration of seven-dimensional uh, selfhood's um, energy um, structure as a whole. The, the seven-dimensional beingness um, is transformed energetically, too. And that's all the result of seeking. And um, seeking to be most efficient is uh, seeking to be free of distortion. So it's a deep, it's a resource in the deep mind, and it's great potential aid to the adept. Yeah, it's helpful um, to know how evolution occurs in third density, um, and to more um, more harmoniously um, reflect the deep mind in the conscious mind's understanding. The the and that's you know Raw talked about. I mean, th this is that's one of the most important functions of the raw material to me one of the most critical functions of the raw material um, is its its expression as a nearly undistorted transmission from late sixth density higher self it, it's a narrow band transmission raw set and everybody has their own opinion good bad indifferent who cares it doesn't matter but my opinion which you may or may not share is that it's a relatively undistorted transmission from higher self. Nearly undistorted. I mean, again, I consider it one of the most important spiritual documents in the last 2,000 years. Absolutely. Without a doubt. In English language, at least. And so, uh, the, the accuracy of the raw material, the law of one, to the awareness of Atman, higher self, way beyond third density opinion and personal uh, bias and personal inclination and preference, way beyond preference, way beyond the sense of me and what I like and don't like and what I think and don't know, way beyond that, it gives, um, I would say, the, the serious student, um, serious seeker of uh, liberation, um, a, a mental template that we can harmonize with, just as the adept may harmonize the conscious mind with this um, 21 um, nodal, uh, nodal point structure uh, of deep mind that we're, that, that by which we're evolving. It's the structure of deep mind in 3D physical by which we're evolving. So to resonate the conscious mind to that is very helpful. Likewise, to resonate the conscious mind to the raw material, <laughs> to the principles of soul evolution presented by the raw material. Not everything here is principle, obviously. They talk about, you know, uh, doings of uh, Orion or something, and uh, human, uh, the children that think they're so powerful. So, the, the, the damaged children of human elite leadership, so-called. Not that, <laughs> but um, Ra's transmission of um, the principles of soul evolution and the, 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 the way, uh, 
the way by which cosmology is, has been um, brought forth from the void, the transit from intelligent infinity to seven-dimensional octaves of polarized light by which triadic body-mind-spirit um, configured beingness evolves itself is um, it, 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 it's like um, the sun <laughs> it's a very pure solar ref reflection of what is and if we can conform I mean to the extent that, that we believe this is true and everybody has free will to go their own way but to me, it's um, a, a quite unblemished reflection of um, solar being as articulating the true principles of uh, beingness and the evolution of beingness, uh, cosmic structure and function, uh, that it's... Um, an unparalleled um, aid to the one that seeks freedom and enlightenment, which is, you know, ultimate freedom and enlightenment is far from where we are now, but we're on the way. Um, very few people appreciate what the raw material really is. <laughs> it's, it's really a pure, undistorted, un, unbiased transmission from the mind of higher self, Atman, late sixth density, raw material, raw group, you know, their group in sixth density is one with the with Atman, with higher self. And uh, this is really the way it is. <laughs> These principles are for real. This is it. And, and you'll see them everywhere else. I mean, what the hell are people talking about when they're talking about healing? Normally, they don't even know what they're talking about, and they can't articulate it very well. Um, but what they're saying, what they're trying to say, are the principles enunciated by Ra, which are not Ra's principles. <laughs> they're universal principles, simply seen clearly by them and transmitted clearly through Carla, more or less, still in human language. And th this is very much akin to the adept studying archetypes, um, the conscious mind or us, um, allowing uh, or seeking to to distill um, love light from study and reflection of the raw material um, is an invaluable, I found it personally invaluable. I don't know about you, you do your own thing. But for me, it's been invaluable, meaning extremely valuable, precious beyond price, uh, as a compliment to Buddhism. <laughs> If you don't have Buddhism, or you don't know what uh, Anapanasati or mindfulness meditation is, and you don't do deep practice, um, how much you can use and realize the glory of the raw material will be limited. Because it's only the, I think, the, the mind that is uh, resonant with the, con with, with the unfed conscious mind, or the, the mind of samadhi, the really peaceful, quiet, um, non-rippled, um, mirror reflective lake surface mind uh, can really appreciate what the raw material is about but it ain't going to free you from your pain unless you uh, do the catharsis you need so 9138 and that'll be it for today 
uh, nothing more. Uh, Don says, since we are at the end of the matrix of mind, I will just ask if there's anything we can do to improve the contact or make the instrument more comfortable. Ra says, I am Ra. Each is most conscientious. The instrument might be somewhat more comfortable with the addition of the swirling of the waters with spine erect. All other things which can be performed for the instrument's benefit are most diligently done. We commend the continual fidelity of the group to the ideals of harmony and thanksgiving. This shall be your great protection. All is well, my friends. The appurtenances and alignments are excellent. I am Ra. I leave you glorying in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. Go forth, then, rejoicing in the power and the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. And that's it for session 91. And um, so you can see that even though Don, you know, got confused along the way, and it's very difficult to, I mean, <laughs> we have, I have, we have the benefit of decades of study. He was just trying to figure things out along the way on the fly. It's very difficult. But despite his, you know, mistaken interpretation, sometimes um, Ra's talking about, um, you know, excellent alignments and appurtenances, um, excellently done, um, continual fidelity, diligently done um, helping of Carla and preparation for the contact. So they were meticulous. And that um, fidelity to ideals of harmony and thanksgiving, harmony means justice. Interpersonal justice <laughs> is harmony between people. Our harmony between people is a form of interpersonal justice. Love, wisdom, balance. And giving thanks is very sixth ray. So they're talking, you know, harmony. Harmony is very much about fourth and fifth chakra development, balance. And thanksgiving uh, adds the sixth chakra. Uh, gratitude for what is and a sense of um, the sacred that what is is the sacred and I appreciate this because I know it's 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 of God it's of uh, the one it's it's sacred in its nature it's sacred nature so this world is God's uh, garden too actually and that is very protective very much so next session 92 um, let me see something and then we'll be out of here. Uh, we've got 35 exchanges. Maybe I can run through in two weeks. Um, they had trouble with psychic greeting and some attack going on. And more discussion of uh, the tarot and uh, moving along the cycle of mind, the potentiator of mind, um, up to the significator and um, that looks like that and the, so basically we'll move through the mind the cycle of mind development cards nodal point archetypes uh, potentiator to catalyst experience significator particularly one through five and that's really enough because six and seven come naturally when you've done one through five and that's the case with with the chakras uh, you don't have to worry about spirit complex work, actually. You need to worry about body, mind, or mind work. <laughs> if you take care of the mind work, um, you'll know just what to do with the body work. And when you've done that, 
and the mind-body work or the initiation and healing of mind and then body is done, um, the spirit, the work of spiritual initiation and healing balance or, or initiation and integration of spirit comes naturally. Not a, it, it doesn't have to be thought. It's known. Knowing comes naturally when um, basically the lower triad, the lower three, is uh, unblocked by the development of uh, love, wisdom, balance, um, and six chakra awareness of, um, of, of unity, awareness of the spiritual nature of, of our being and our work. With that perspective, meeting self and other and catalyst again, 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 again with love, wisdom, balance, as much as we can, seeking that, um, we end up uh, releasing blockages of the lower triad. And by that, um, the healing and balance of mind, the initiation of mind, steadily develops, steadily um, is achieved. And by that, one naturally knows what the work on body and spirit is. Uh, it's not a, uh, it doesn't require um, extended cogitation. So anyway, thank you for my... Uh, extended commentaries. I hope it was useful. I hope you're well. Next time we're going to go into session 92. Uh, please take good care of yourselves. Thank you very much and good night.